Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9 in the Common English Bible. That day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattered in seed, some fell on the path. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the stump came up, it scorched the plants. They dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and bore fruit. In, in one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who is eager should pay attention. So that's only about half of the actual lectionary text for today, um, which in and of itself is only about half of really what is happening in the scripture today. Um, by some counts, Jesus told anywhere between 38 and 50 parables in the gospels. Um, and now one of the things you have to remember about the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're kind of like Jesus's greatest hits. Um, you know, like there's, there's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is just like, uh, blessed are you, blessed is this, here's a parable, here's a teaching, you've heard it said this, you've heard it said that. It kind of is like, wow, Jesus, spread it out a little bit, right? Don't give us it all at once, all that good stuff. Because this is like written 50 years after he's gone. And so these are the sayings and the teachings that have been sifted through time and found to be the most valuable, the most helpful, the most memorable. I imagine Jesus told some stories that kind of, you know, bombed. Uh, everyone has them. Everyone who's ever stood in front of people and spoken knows what it's like to bomb even the Son of God. But luckily, time is friendly, and uh, we've forgotten all of those. We just have Jesus' greatest hits. So he has told, in the Gospels, between 38 and 50 uh, parables, depending on how you count them. Now, how many do you think he explained? Did you say two? That's the number. <laughs> and they're in this chapter. <laughs> You've won a free t-shirt. <laughs> so he explains two, two parables. This one and one other one in this, uh, this little uh, chapter here. Uh, he doesn't explain it to the people. What happens next in the reading part that I cut out is the disciples pull Jesus aside and they're like, Jesus, why do you teach people in stories that nobody understands? Why don't you just tell them the truth instead of giving them these wild farming stories that nobody gets? And Jesus goes, says to them, essentially, um, if I just tell them objective truth, nobody cares. Nobody will listen. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't take root in a person's heart if you just tell them a thing. If you lead them in a way that they come to that truth themselves, well, then they get it. And every teacher in the room understands that, right? 
So that's what he's doing with parables, is he gives them a really opaque and weird story, and the people who don't care anyway just go, well, that's a fun farming metaphor, and then move on. And the people who actually do care think about it, and it sticks with them, and they talk about it with each other. And in that conversation with each other, they get to some semblance of meaning. Now, whether or not that is the meaning Jesus intended That's a different conversation. I can't tell you how many times I have greeted people after church and they've said, oh, I really needed that message. What you said really affected me and they told me what I said and it's not what I said or at least not what I meant because the spirit is moving in your minds and I'm just just here as an excuse for you to sit and be quiet for a while and imagine and have holy imagination. This, I love the fact that we alternate now because I get to sit and daydream for 15 minutes or so every other week in this like holy guided daydreaming session that we call sermon time. So after Jesus says this to them, I, and I think this is probably because he's teaching them how to do his job, he explains the parables to them. Like this is what I meant when I said a farmer scatters seed and some seed does this, some seed does that. Is that the only interpretation of it? I don't think so. I think there's probably many interpretations of it. In fact, I'd like to do a little um, church experiment, if you wouldn't mind indulging me. Because I'm not going to read that part where Jesus explains what each one of those seed groups represents. Because Jesus didn't tell the people that. Jesus told his insiders that as a way of teaching them how to tell parables. Because parables are a way to get conversations started, right? So I have a picture in a slide. Next slide, if you wouldn't mind. So I'll tell you this story again. And then I want to hear how it hits you and what your take is. So there's a farmer And uh, I know we don't have a whole lot of farmers in this room. You know, 100 years ago, 99% of Americans were involved in some form of agriculture. 99% uh, in the early 1900s had a small farm, had chickens, had whatever. Now, in 2023, it is less than 1% are connected to agriculture. We have completely lost (laughs) what this sort of metaphor would have meant. But imagine with you that you are a farmer, you have a field in which you are growing your livelihood, and you are scattering seeds. You're not, you don't have one of those like planting combine machines that's going to do everything for you. You are scattering seeds. You're throwing them. And when you throw them, not everything goes where you imagine it's going to go. So a farmer is throwing seeds. Some of those seeds land on a path. And the birds swoop down on that nice, wonderful path where they can see the seeds. They eat them up. Some other seeds fell on some rocky ground. Now, those seeds found a little bit of soil. They grew nicely. You might think, that's a crack in the cement or something like that. But then, May of 2023 happened, and we had no rain. And their roots were not deep enough, and they withered up and died. Not in May. Another group of seeds fell among thorns and brambles and started to grow, but the nutrients were not there for it, and it got choked out by the thorns and brambles. And yet, a fourth group of seeds fell on good and fertile 
topsoil, teeming with life and nutrients, and the roots dug deep, and the farmer received a huge yield for the farmer's work. So what's up? Yeah. So is something springing to mind immediately, Richard? That's not derived from the next part where Jesus tells the answers. Yeah, birds are animals, yes. as a bird so I could just <laughs> soar around and, and... And Candy could stare at you and <laughs> talk about how beautiful you are. It, it, like it, it's not I'm scared. There is... Every time I, like I, I, I see them, whether I'm at the beach or uh, at, on my back porch, I get to see them. And it, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, inspiration I get out of them is is uh, to to see what I can do with the help of God to soar on this uh, earth with my feet on the ground <laughs> and uh, uh, you know I uh, and to do the, the things that God calls upon us to do that was put so beautifully. And I think it was the first hymn that we sang. It covered everything. <laughs> I, I'd well, like to soar like that in terms of doing everything that we sang about. So let's move with the birds then. Because what we're... A farmer has something good, right? The seeds have the potential of something good in them. And so the, the farmer is scattering the potential for good out into the world. And how it's received is beyond the farmer's uh, power to some extent. You know, I think everyone in this room is giving something to the world. You have a gift that you're planting, that you're giving to the world, right? And we all want to imagine that that fourth one is, is the outcome of our, of our work. You know, I do my good work in the world. I scatter the gifts that I have to give to the world, and it grows, and everything is wonderful a hundredfold, and I get my name on a brick somewhere. Um, um, but that first one, the birds. Sometimes you are casting your goodness out there, and it gets eaten by birds. Tell me about that. Tell me about your good work the, the gift you have to give to the world is eaten by birds. What does that do to your soul? Get in sync with that. You, you mean uh, what, what the, the birds are doing uh, uh, in terms of once they eat the seeds and they have 
all this energy they need from God, and it's a what? They, they, they don't need that much. Well, all they need is a few seeds. That would be another hope of mine. I would just need not need all Ooh. that much to do God's work. Lisa's got a good point. They drop those seeds, don't they? They drop fertilized it's seeds, it's just don't they? not what you anticipated as the results of what you did. So they're casting the seeds out. You're thinking it's going to form a plant that will yield something for your benefit. But the birds come along, they've got a completely different agenda. <laughs> they, they, but they've nourished themselves with it, and in many instances, they spread that seed someplace completely different with a completely different result. Huh. <laughs> so you ask what it does to our soul when mm -hmm. we put stuff out. And I was thinking of bird doo-doo. <laughs> it feels like um, you get pooped on. Hmm. It's funny to you get bird poop. Gross. <laughs> but over here, the bird poop was like the fertilizer for the seed that's going to grow and this one's on my car and it's annoying yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you don't get to control where it goes after that point don't step on it. huh has anyone here ever had like a student come back to you years and years later or like somebody tangentially related that you interacted with a long time ago who came back later and said i never told you how much impact this had on me who was with me for many, many years as a private student, took large lessons with me, and she was, she moved out to Chicago, got her master's degree as an art therapist, and opened her own practice. And one day in the mail, I got a card from her with what I had done to transform her life. And it was well, in a way, it was kind of scary, because <laughs> this is me we're talking about. But it was not at all what I thought I was doing. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that I, you know, I was giving her art lessons. I thought I was building her skill set. That is not what happened. What happened was I changed who she was. And that was kind of terrifying because sometimes you just don't know the effect that you've had. Hmm. You know? And I keep looking at the second one and going, but, but if that was wildflowers, that's the perfect place to put them. Because they don't like good soil. Hmm. Wildflowers do not like, they like, they, in fact, experiments have shown that if you break up old toilets and mix that in with your soil to make it really, really nutrient poor, that's the perfect place to grow wildflowers. Yes, but not because... Wildflowers grow in old toilets, <laughs> is what I'm learning. No, 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 you gotta break them up, but any... Oh, sure, yeah, broken toilets, right, of course. until 
uh, after uh, I retired from the ministry and went back to the church to, to, to visit. And at the church, uh, she was there, and I met with a, a lot of other members that uh, uh, joined the church during my ministry there. And uh, she said, I want you to know, you know, the, the influence that your preaching uh, had on my life. Uh, it, it inspired me uh, to uh, go, go to, to college <laughs> and to get a master's degree and to, to become Of, 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 of the, the uh, you know, mentally challenged. <laughs> and uh, when she started out uh, as a, a working teenager, she, she, she started out as a clerk at, at a supermarket. <laughs> it's a shame she passed away at 78 not too long ago. And she was a wonderful person. One of the exercises that, uh, and thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the exercises that my childhood pastor challenged me to do when I was uh, uh, interning at the church was to put together like my spiritual story as well. And for me it was uh, Losing everything, faith-wise, mental health-wise, all the things in college. And one of the main things that brought me back was just a friend who had this way of exuding something. A kind of holy aura, I suppose. Um, and I remember praying that, like, God, just, if you exist, I'm talking to myself, obviously, but if you exist, I just want that, whatever that is. Even if I have to become a Christian again, I just want that thing. Um, and then slowly over time, it was like her influence in my life and, and these sort of slow movements led me to this sort of spiritual awakening for the first time in my life. And my pastor said, have you ever told her that? And I was like, no, that's weird. You, you don't do that. How do, how do I start that conversation? Hey, by the way, you, uh, you did nothing except exist, and that saved my life. Um, so I, I said that in a text message, and it turns out that she was in the darkest part of her entire life at that moment. There were just a series of things that happened that had just crushed and shattered her, um, and she had no idea. She, she, had, she was thinking to herself that all of my work has been for nothing. I have made no impact in the world. Everything that I have worked so hard for has just fallen short and nothing has happened. And so to hear that saved her. <laughs> so like if you have a story like that, tell someone. <laughs> tell them. Because we hear this parable. Oh, and some fell on, on the path and birds ate it and it was wasted and it was gone or whatever. But nothing's wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. But some seeds fell in rocky soil and they grew, and they were not wildflowers. And so <laughs> it was wheat or some cash crop or something. And the roots 
went a little bit down, but couldn't get around all of, all of the, the rocks. And then the drought came, and the roots just weren't deep enough, and it withered up and died. How does that, those seeds, sit with you? The ones whose roots were not quite deep enough because of the rocks and the soil and that when the weather got rough and it wasn't very conducive anymore, the plants themselves died. I think all of us go through that. A period when we're not, we're not grounded well enough. We're not taking in enough nourishment. We don't have what we need to cope with the circumstances. I, I don't think there's any person that goes through life thriving and never hitting a time period you one thing that Jesus said in the rest of the chapter just <laughs> because Jesus always also mentions money in the third one but Jesus says that the desire for money choked out the seed you mentioned the lack of money like the tough times that come when you don't have enough Jesus is thinking about when you have too much and it destroys your soul yeah Grind culture, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. because there are... I have a friend who invited their future parallel set of parents to the house for an event prior to a wedding. And this is a house that has nurtured and sheltered their family for the times that their children were growing up. And it's not a big house, it's just a simple little house, but it did well for them. And the other half of the family came in, and one of the family members said, Well, now, how many children do you have? 
how did you ever manage? And I, and the friend said to me later, she goes, oh, we were happy here. <laughs> it was ours, and we had room, and the kids had a yard, and we had a swimming pool, and they loved it. And But there was just that, this isn't an adequate place to raise children kind of attitude. And we're not talking about like a huge social class up kind of thing. We're talking a tiny little increment. And yet there was that negativity that, well, this is an adequate way. And I don't, that's part of that. How much is enough and too much? Teacher, teacher. Um, I've been like looking at this and and feeling really um, like how often do I focus on what is the easiest thing to manage um, at the expense of the places where it's just so difficult. So like. If that fourth picture is the church, where like everyone who is there feels like they belong there, whereas the one on the rocks feel like, well, life is rubbish, and um, like I heard a little bit of hope and felt good for a little bit, and then um, the the choking, the 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 being so weighed down, and so maybe instead of focusing so much on. Side where everybody looks good and together and seems to have it together. What if we went to the places where the rocks were choking out and took the rocks away? Like being um, not bulldozers, but the ones that pick up the rubble. that was not fully composted. And those seeds, they grew, and then they turned weirdishly yellow and stopped growing, right? That's the, that's the fifth set that in our metaphor. Yeah. It was way too much nitrogen because they were still. There was too much manure left in there that hadn't completely degraded down. It'll do that to yeah. So the, uh, the worm composting that I put in and some other deals, now it's 
I love the idea of um, meditating on the soil of our hearts and what is the condition of our hearts and then also meditating on God's heart and just I, there's just I don't know it's just a good thing <laughs> to be in touch with one's heart <laughs> yeah so I hope I hope too that that gives you that brings you grace it does because you've received messages over time you've received grace from God from other people and sometimes you've not been ready to receive it and somebody has loved you but you are not open to that yet you were still closed off. You were still hurt. You were still guarded. And you didn't receive that love. And there's no reason to feel guilty <laughs> that you weren't the fourth one ready to receive all the goodness. And that my soul is clean and open and wonderful and filled with this wonderful uh, microbiome that is going to make every seed grow and thrive. You know, that's fine. Because, like, I'm hearing all of you. You're finding things in those other three where there's room for thriving. Just... It's situational too, and so I hope that brings you some grace. One of the really early Sinai and Synapses um, podcasts. Didn't Rachel say that the first so many books of the Torah are the history of the Hebrew people, and then the rest of it is explaining what that was? Down the Wormhole podcast. Yeah, I mean, Down the Wormhole, yes. Well, that's because you guys keep talking about this. Yeah, that's, that's the like, thing we came yeah, from. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing, came, thing thing came from. But the Down the Wormhole, did, didn't she say that that's basically what it broke down to be? So what it breaks down to is God gave Moses a command. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, all right, well, what does that mean, though? Okay, so then we get 10 commandments. Okay, great. But then how does that apply to this? So then we get the rest of the 500 commandments throughout the Torah. But then the Torah needs to then be lived out in history. And so then we get the books of history, which is them living out the Torah, which is them living out the, the commandments, living out the commandment. And then we have the, the books of wisdom, which are how to grapple with this in your own personal life. And then... Then we have the Tanakh, which is, you know, the books of the Hebrew scriptures. But, like, how do we interpret that? So then we get the Mishnah, which is the oral tradition of that. But then how do we interpret the Mishnah for the next generation? Well, then that's how we end up with the, the Talmud. And then Rachel would point to, like, the, uh, the, the, the bookshelf behind her that is completely full of books. And she'd say, that's the Talmud. That the entire wall is the Talmud. And then we stopped there because we ran out of bookshelves. And so then we just decided to start living our lives and, and you know, work, work through all of this. You know? All applies. Yeah. Instead of just, there's, there's, because look at how everybody's different perspective have, with four pictures and one story, and it's all, we're all over the place, and yet. We're learning from everybody else's viewpoint, and isn't that supposed to be what we're doing? Mm. Yeah. And I have another one still. You get a free t-shirt. Because <laughs> I looked at this, and the themes of like perfectionism and risk management keep coming up. <laughs> risk management, In terms yes. of... 
to put my efforts into something that I believe will pan out, <laughs> right? And so the fourth picture, like it, ideally everything that I would want to work towards would have a higher probability of turning out like number four versus the birds picking up my stuff. Yeah. And yet the reality is that you have to keep throwing things out <laughs> because you'll never get to number four. There is going to be some mm. stuff that the birds pick up. There is going to be some stuff that ends up in the rocks. There is going to be some stuff that ends up in the thorns and the shambles, right? But if I stop throwing things out, I am guaranteed to never get to that rich soil and having the, something blossom. So it's like the idea of perfectionism, it holds you back from actually trying the thing, right? Bombing on stage and being like, well, that didn't work out. But if you never bomb, you never refine and actually get to a place that you speak a message that people come up to you at the end and be like, that was amazing. It spoke to my heart. It was everything that I needed. And you're like, you should have seen me three weeks ago, right? Like, because that, but that's a cycle. Like that's the natural way of life is that it doesn't mean that now that you've reached number four, you're never going to have number one again. Like it's always going to be that you're striving for you're striving for the best of what you can yeah. do. And the only way you get there is by having some stuff that, eh, you got 30. And sometimes you're like, I got 300, okay, that was, that was better. And then sometimes you're like, I'm back to a 30, all right, that was not so great. And then you're like, I'm sorry, did we have 100,000? Yay! And that is one of those moments that is so, it's so thrilling that you're like, that's what keeps you pushing forward and trying more things and giving it your all because it balances out the those 30 moments like I was I was thinking about I wrote optimistic on the board and I have not been in that space for over a year and I felt myself thinking like ooh when's the other shoe gonna drop oh. and then I thought like but you've been in a place of saying you're going to ride the wave when it's dark. So why don't you get to ride it when it's great? Yes. And so like that feeling of if it's always going to be wavy, it's always going to be unpredictable. I can't disengage from the good or the bad. I just kind of have to keep throwing the seed. Yes. You know, Keila, all I can think of is like, sometimes you've got a really good idea for a sermon, and then you decide, I'm going to try something weird and have everyone else preach a sermon to me on a Sunday morning and see how that works out. Because that could bomb horribly, or you could have amazing stories. <laughs> I think we're so, why are we so skeptical when things are good? Why are we so skeptical when things that we're receiving blessing? And when things are, are rough and hard, we just accept it. But when it's good, we're skeptical of the good. I don't, I don't know. I just, if anybody else knows, has some beautiful, wonderful wisdom for that. Um, I don't know. Worthiness. Mm. Worthiness. Oh, oh no, we're not going to talk about that because then I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I'm not worthy. 
Do you deserve to have things go well for you? Oh, Charles does. That's true. Yes. Yes, because you've not been crushed. I said no. You said yes first. It's the right answer. Yes is the right answer. You're good. You win 10 points. So Jesus said that the farmer represents God, and the seeds are the gospel, the good news. Some people are so caught up in the world that the seed can never be planted, and the devil comes and takes it away. Some people are like the rocky soil who have an initial amount of excitement, but then don't dig any deeper. And so when things go wrong in their lives, they immediately fall away and go back to their old patterns. Some people take hold and they are doing great, but then get so consumed with the worries of the world that they uh, choke out the spirit within them. And other people are like the fertile soil who accept the, the good news and live their lives in according to the Spirit. Now that just kind of feels boring now, doesn't it? <laughs> Ours is so much better than Jesus. This is why Jesus didn't explain his parables. Because if I say to you, everyone gather round, I have good news. You all have something to share with the world, but it will be received differently by different people at different times. Good night. <laughs> that falls flat, right? But this thing, this thing that we've done together and that we always do together in which we interrogate our lives and the scriptures and um, all of the whole thing together um, is individual and beautiful. And I feel like I've learned a few things today, so thank you for preaching to me. Um, and now can we just take a moment to let all of that wisdom see seep in and say a word of prayer.